listeners. I'm Jana Tavakishvili from Tbilisi, Georgia. I'm current president of the European Society for Traumatic Stress Studies. And uh, I'm chosen as a global ambassador for the International Society for Traumatic Stress meeting this year, which is uh, taking place in Boston. And I have a very special guest, Dr. Judith Cohen author of the trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy for children and adolescents. Uh, I'm very privileged to have this chance, Judith, to speak with you. Uh, Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Judith, let's start um, from uh, tomorrow's event. I know that uh, you are leading, uh, together with your colleagues, very interesting uh, pre-meeting institute at our conference. Uh, that's about um, advancements and clinical uh, uh, applications of the trauma-focused CBT for children and adolescents. Please say a few words. What are the main messages which you are going to deliver tomorrow to your participants? Well, I am starting out by giving a perspective of the last 25 years of where we've been and how far we've come with TFCBT in the last 25 years. And um, I I really don't think that way typically um, day to day. I sort of think in the present, Um, but it was really fun. I think um, my three trainers, um, who are quite a bit younger than I am, um, asked me to, you know, sort of give this as a, an introduction um, to our pre-meeting institute, and it was really interesting and fun to have that perspective, thinking back to where we were in 1994, and um, at that point we had no, the field had no evidence-based treatments for children who had experienced any kind of trauma. And, um, and now we have many evidence-based treatments. And um, just from the perspective of trauma-focused CBT, um, we ha- now have more than 20 randomized controlled trials, um, not only in the United States, but around the world for children from you know, preschool children to transition age children um, moving into adulthood who have experienced all different kinds of traumas. Um, including complex PTSD, and um, we have many different applications of TFCBT for different populations in different settings, um, and um, very strong data, um, but also a lot of clinical work has gone into this treatment model, and we have a lot of trainers who are disseminating the treatment um, literally around the world. And so it's very exciting to see um, how this journey has evolved and I'm really going to be talking about how um, the co-developers of TFCBT, Esther Deblinger and Tony Manorino and I never in our wildest dreams could have imagined when we started out that this journey would have taken us where it has so far and we're also going to be talking about the future and where the future may be leading. That's so fascinating to hear the stories that you started with one particular uh, probably structured module and, and then it developed across countries, across cultures, probably it's translated into different languages. I should confess, Judith, that I am teaching back at my home country, my students, based on your book. Uh, so that's a fascinating story of success and also of 
um, providing effective support to, to the children and adolescents and now all of the young adults in need. Uh, yes, I mean, really, when we started out, we were, uh, Tony and I were working in a clinic in Pittsburgh and Esther was lo- working in a clinic in New Jersey and our goal really was, uh, we were both, both, all of us were working with children who had experienced sexual abuse and back then we recognized um, that these children really experienced severe types of interpersonal trauma and many types of trauma besides sexual abuse, but we were focusing on sexual abuse and we recognized, even though we didn't have the data to back it up then, we recognized that sexual abuse was a particularly stigmatized um, type of trauma where these children felt a high degree of shame and that the legal system, at least here in the United States, was very challenging and often did not um, uh, protect these children the way we wished that it, it could. Um, but um, and and that we knew that, or we believed that, um, you know, this type of um, often chronic trauma that, um, you know, when it wasn't treated effectively, that it could lead to long-lasting and severe negative outcomes. So our goal was really pretty simple. We wanted to develop the best treatment we could possibly um, figure out to help these children recover and heal. Um, and um, so, and and so that's what we were hoping for, <laughs> and we had no idea that you know it would develop into develop into yeah. something that somebody from Georgia <laughs> on the other side of the world would be teaching her students, um, and that it would be translated into different languages, or that so many different people would be using, and and you know it was pretty simple what we were hoping for, but um, we're delighted that it's turned into you know, something that's helping so many more children than we could ever have imagined. Judith, was you doing, were you doing also advocacy um, uh, in parallel with the offering treatment uh, to, to children, adolescents in need? Uh, you, you, you told about uh, legal system which was not uh, uh, enough supportive of them and about stigma which was uh, within the society uh, against sexual abuse. So did you do also advocacy activities? Did you uh, try to change the, the uh, um, context also? Well, certainly we always tried to change the, the, the um, you know, the context we have often worked with and tried to educate attorneys and judges and um, to the degree that we could, we tried to advocate, change laws. But I have to say our primary focus was clinical Clinical. and research and working with families, educators. Um, But you can't really work with this population without getting involved in other systems, you know, yeah. with the, certainly with the child welfare system, because sure. these children are by definition involved in the medical and child welfare system. So we've always collaborated very closely with yeah. those two systems, certainly, and yeah. very closely with, in our country, with um, the child advocacy programs yeah. and child welfare. So that's a complex, complex work with different layers and levels and different actors uh, targeted and involved, yeah? Yeah, and, and it really is very complicated to, to conduct research with this population. Yeah. Um, and 
everything from designing the research to recruiting the families to figuring out what is a a a comparison treatment that is yeah. not only um, acceptable but that will help children get better. Yeah. Um, when you're running a clinic, um, you're not going to have them wait for treatment. Sure, waiting list, yeah. Yeah, you want them yeah. to get better. So of course, everybody yeah. who comes to our clinic, we want to get better. Yeah. And so that's challenging when you're randomizing children to different treatments. You want whatever treatment they get yeah. to help them and get help them get better. Sure. So that's challenging also, but I think we really have been successful in yeah. um, putting children's clinical needs first and always trying to do what's best for the children and the families, but also being able to conduct high quality research within that um, within that framework. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating because, yes, I can imagine it involves some dilemma if you are putting child into waiting list, then, then you are also um, trying to, to provide best possible help as, up, as, as soon as it is possible. So, yeah, so, so you, you over, overcame these challenges, yeah? Right, we never had a waiting list, uh, yeah. a con control group mm -hmm. in our programs. I, um, I think mm -hmm. in other countries, like in Africa, where yeah. um, they wouldn't get any kind of mental health treatment, yeah. it's a different story. Yeah. Um, because that would be usual care in yeah. those settings. But in our clinics, we never yeah. compared TFCBT to a wait list. Wow. Um, yeah. We would give them a very high quality other treatment that we yeah. believe was better than anything they would get in mm -hmm. in the community. So that's the best solutions then? Well, in our in our view, it was yeah. the best solution if you're going to do research that you have to give yeah. children and families a very high quality um, yeah. option of treatment yeah. and something that is at least as good, if not better, than anything they would get anywhere yeah. else. Judith, thank you for sharing these reflections about your mode of action. Yeah, that's so important. Um, uh, I wonder, how is it to be an author of the effective treatment, of effective method? W what is it about? What, what is the feeling which you have now, uh, especially considering this uh, trajectory, 25 years um, long trajectory of success? Well, I, I think Tony and Esther would agree that um, the most important um, feeling that we have is um, a great sense of, of, of satisfaction that we know that um, we've helped children recover um, and, and that we've always put, put those children and their families um, and and wanting them, you know, a sense of helping them to recover. That that's been our primary goal. Yeah. So thinking back to those families, um, and how thankful we are and grateful we are to them for helping us. Yeah. Um, I think that's our our biggest sense of satisfaction, and that thinking of all of the different therapists in you know throughout the world really who are now using that treatment to help so many other children that is of course a huge sense of satisfaction and yeah. hope that many other children will not be suffering um, now and hopefully that they can recover sooner and not have to go through their lives um, 
experiencing the negative impacts of trauma, hopefully. Judith, I won't, I cannot prevent myself not to ask questions about prevention. How, how, at which extent we can prevent uh, children to be traumatized or prevent PTSD among those who are traumatized? It's a, it's a really important question and I don't think we have enough data, you know, research about prevention, um, but certainly um, the basic skills that are included in evidence-based treatments like TFCBT, but certainly they're cross-cutting um, not just TFCBT, but CB other CBT models, and for that matter, all of the evidence-based treatments for children, um, I think emphasize resiliency yeah. skills. Yeah. And skills like um, regulating negative feelings um, and the negative impact of stress and, and trauma, for that matter, on our physical um, well-being. Um, learning to get along with, you know, people who are difficult to get along with, <laughs> dealing with um, uh, disappointment or things yeah. that you can't do, you know, those kinds of things, yeah. frustration, um, and learning to examine your negative thoughts and changing your thoughts, yeah. um, you know, those kinds of um, skills. Um, and just, you know, social and emotional, um, uh, you know, uh, resilience, I think, are really important. And then, of course, the, the skills for parents or caregivers of helping them gain those skills. Yeah. Having regular routines, family routines, family support. Yeah. All of those are really, I think, preventive skills that, um, or preventive strategies for um, helping children be resilient, helping families be resilient. I don't think we can totally prevent children from experiencing hardship or adversity or trauma, but when that happens, I think those kinds of skills can protect children from yeah. the negative impact of, of trauma. Yeah, definitely. Julie, then that's the last question about future. What are future plans? Where are you going to go now? <laughs> Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's I the mean, best answer. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think there's uh, the future is bright. I think yeah. for children who experience trauma, but there's certainly still work to be done. There are children who don't respond to the treatments that you know we have. There's still a small percentage, you know, maybe 15 percent. Um, who don't respond to, to TFCBT and we have to, we want to do better. We want to tailor our treatment to those children who don't respond, to children who have comorbid disorders. And certainly yeah. there are children who don't develop PTSD but develop other, other, conditions. other problems like depression, yeah. um, substance abuse, um, yeah. you know, bipolar disorder, um, yeah. and other difficulties. In fact, you know, many studies are now showing that PTSD is less common than disorders like depression or externalizing disorders, and we think that we can tailor or apply TFCBT to address those kinds of problems. Um, medication, at least in the United States, is overused, um, especially for children in foster care and in residential settings, in the juvenile justice setting. Um, and so, 
we need to look at are there situations where medication can be used judiciously or yeah. can be helpful in what um, for what children and what situations yeah. um, can it be helpful either by itself or with evidence-based treatments yeah. and so there's certainly a lot more work to do um, to you know look at what you know what children are not responding to evidence-based treatments yeah. that we have now and what can we do for those children to better meet their needs. So I think that's some of the work we still need to do in so, the future. So it's already planned. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there's plenty of work for people um, to do in the future and I think um, our young researchers and our young clinicians are going to you know, cut that path um, much more than older people like I am. But um, the future is really bright and we have wonderful researchers and clinicians and I'm looking forward to hearing what they're going to do.